Payne County, USA, it's Father Brian O'Brien, pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. You are listening to Pastors of Payne County, Oklahoma, USA. I'm here with Father Kerry Wakulich, pastor of St. Francis. St. John. I was just made the pastor of St. St. John Catholic Student Center at the campus of Oklahoma State University. Uh, it is October. The weather is lovely. Football is in the air. <laughs> but most of all, Jesus is Lord, and he died for your sins, and he rose again, and he walks with you every day. That's true. And that's what it's all about. That's what the show is all about. That's what our parishes are all about. And that's what we want to tell people all over Payne County that Jesus loves them and died for their sins and rose again. Woo! That's what it's all about. Um, just a quick, a little, a little public service announcement. Uh, there is a Holy Day of Obligation coming up that we want everyone to know about. November the first. It's a Friday. Is that wait 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 wait? Let me guess. Which which Friday? Feast? November first. Friday November first. It is what a, feast day? Is that is that the beginning of Advent? Uh no. Goodness, okay. Well, is that on. is that pre Christmas? Come on. Is that pre Christmas at Walmart? Is November? Yeah. F- when Christmas should be starting here anytime now at Walmart. Whoa! It's already there. No, it's, it's not. Uh, yes, there's I went, not. I went to go get earplugs. Earplugs. I have earplugs. Well, I needed them for uh, just sh- skeet shoot the other day. We were out skeet shooting the other day to get ready for duck season. I went to get earplugs and I walked by. I was like. Something yeah, glittery, no. shiny mm. object shouldn't have caught me. I looked down an aisle. What to my wondering eyes should appear? Disco ball. A sleigh oh. full of reindeer no, and eight tiny dear. beers. Okay. Eight tiny beers? What? No, that doesn't make... But anyway, so November 1st is begun. not the pre-Christmas open. It is the Solemnity of All Saints. Oh, that's a... A holy yes. day of obligation uh, in the church. So at uh, St. Francis Xavier, we're going to have four masses. We're going to have one on Halloween night. The Vigil it, Mass at 5.30. Then we're going to have a Mass on, uh, three Masses on November the 1st at 12.10 p.m., 5.30 p.m., and 7.30 p.m. in Spanish. Ooh. We're very excited about it. Then the next day, just a little heads up, the next day is the, the Commemoration of All the Faithful Departed, also known as All Souls Day. It's a Saturday. We're going to have a Mass at 9 a.m. Come and pray for the dead. Pray for the souls in purgatory. Come on. Come on, come and on, then, come on. And then the, all the, you know, the masses that um, evening and the next day for whatever that is, the 20th, Sunday of Ordinary Time. One yeah. of those. Anyway. November, f- I always remember so, November, November 1st, 1st. Mark it down. Is All Saints because it's the, it's the uh, wedding date of uh, Dewey and Meredith Bart. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So uh, give uh, Dewey and Meredith. If you see Dewey and Meredith running around the city of Tulsa with their sweet little children's, just say, Hey, happy anniversary to y'all. They get to go to mass on their anniversary every day for the re- every anniversary for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. That's like Casey Ross, my children's minister at uh-huh. the parish. Her birthday is August the 15th. The the solemnity of the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And they she gets to go to mass on her birthday every year. And her parents didn't name her Assumption. Oh, they should have. <laughs> Come on, Rosses. Get it together. Get it together. <laughs> Come on, out and Eated. Enid. Enid. Her dad's well, a deacon, not Enid. Oh, well, I guess we... Uh, Good dude. Yeah. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, um, a couple weeks ago, uh, on a Friday daily mass, we had a, uh, a parishioner who became Catholic. Wait, uh, what? It, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Don, okay. No, no. Okay, hold on. It, wait. <laughs> Yeah, like, where, they where became... I, okay. Where you did, did we derail here? Like, the, the train was going down the tracks. 
Friday daily mass. Okay, he woke I got up. He uh, woke up Friday morning, not a Catholic. Okay, did he and know? Ate lunch hey, as a Catholic, did he know that he was becoming Catholic? Yes. You no, didn't. We, would, <laughs> we we don't make people Catholic against you didn't, their. You didn't nacho libre him, where he's like, he walks oh. in, you like stuff his face on the baptismal font. <laughs> Welcome. No. Okay. Uh, so it's for adults. They yeah, adults uh, of their own choosing. So uh, this gentleman, this it was just an awesome day. This gentleman um, is 90 years old, 90 years old, uh, has been married for 65 years. His wife is Catholic. His, he ra- they raised their children Catholic. And I don't know the exact sort of why now as opposed to why not, you know, 10 years ago yeah. or 50 years ago. But he decided that it was time to become a Catholic. What? And so we met. He's been going to Mass for 65 years. And uh, we received him into the Catholic Church. Now, for most people in most parishes, that happens uh, at Easter or at the at the Easter vigil. But it can actually be done any time of the year. Um, if we if we think the person is ready, uh, or under emergency circumstances, we can receive people into the church. Uh, and so on that day, it was just regular old Friday daily mass, twelve ten p.m. Uh, he took the profession of faith. He was confirmed. I got the bishop's permission to confirm him, and then he received Holy Communion for the first time, and it was awesome. But what I thought was really interesting, part of the uh, the rite of acceptance of, of when somebody becomes Catholic is uh, you profess the creed, the Nicene Creed. Can, can you edit out things you don't like? <laughs> Uh, Can you write stuff in? I'm going to go with no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's very judgmental. It's like writing your own vows at your your wedding. Like, no, no, no. I promise to love you. This is what we we believe. And so part of it, so he, you know, I handed him uh, a a nice copy of the Nicene Creed. And then everybody who was in attendance at Mass that day, we all stood together and professed the creed together. I believe in one God. The Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and, and on and on we go. And it was just awesome. It was awesome. And every time, you know, we do it every Sunday. Uh, we, we say that you say the creed. And sometimes I'm I'm not in a great mental state, and the creed kind of just sort of flies by. But the days when I'm like when I'm locked in, and we're really saying the creed, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Do you have a favorite line in the creed? Uh, I think it's kind of like scripture, where it, it sort of varies from from time to time. Um, I've been in a, um, I believe in the Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life. Lord and giver of life. Wow. That's been... And what what, what do you like about it? Well, just, I've I've felt just a real uh, affinity lately to to God as as Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Uh, Just relying on that a lot. More lately, are you a, mo- in, are you a, a modalist? No, no, not at all. <laughs> You're not like, at all. I don't believe in the Father and the Son. I believe I'm in, in the, the Father and the Son, oh, okay, as we just said in the Creed. <laughs> but you know, to call upon the Holy Spirit uh, to help in certain circumstances, and He's coming through every time. And so, I love that that line in particular. I also like, um, I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Just this look towards eternity. Anyway, that's the, the the Nicene Creed. But what I was thinking was, and what I think somebody somebody was talking to you about this, and somebody was talking to me about it separately, and that is like, 
from where does this creed come? Like, so we have the Apostles' Creed, and then we have the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed is longer than the Apostles' Creed. Why, why two? Why, why, why was the Nicene Creed necessary if we already had the Apostles? How could, how could we possibly get better than the Apostles' Creed? How can we get better than the Apostles' Creed? Why do we have to, like, why, it seems like we just added to the Apostles' Creed. We made it longer. Yeah, we did. So we mass would be longer. We wanted to keep people in church longer, keep them out of trouble, because when they're out on the always. streets, you don't know what they're doing. You, th- what I love about the councils, you know, the um, from the Acts of the Apostles, that Council of Jerusalem, they 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 get the Council of Jerusalem together. Why? Why in the Acts of the Apostles they get all those people? Tell me. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. It was a battle over circumcision. Like, should we follow the Jewish laws? That's what they, they brought all those people in. They're like, okay, so what? What's the debate? What's going on? What's the argument? Well, what, who's saying what? Who's saying this? Oh, we got to follow these sort of Jewish laws. So you know, should we follow Jewish dietary laws? Should we? Are we allowed to interact with people in the marketplaces without purification? So what year is that? That what Council is that? of Jerusalem? Oh, I don't know. What is that? What like? are we talking? Forty-five. Zero, zero 045. Yeah, it's maybe I mean, 50. It's an act, first century you're talking. Yeah, Acts chapter 15. Okay, nice. So the job of these councils, these ecumenical councils, which we call ecumenism, right at the heart of it. Uh-oh. What? So, no, yeah, ecumenical, so, ecumenical some pe- councils. Some people, some people may get uh, upset when they hear the word ecumenism. But how ecumenical uh, these councils coming together so to, in some ways, to resolve arguments, in other ways to define terms, and in a, in a, probably in a third way, is to send the church in a new direction based on the theology that they're incorporating in. So sometimes there's just straight-up heresy, like, um, what is it, the Council of Nicaea, uh, 325. Yes. Constant, yeah, Constantine, century, yeah. Yeah, Constantine calls together the, the Council in Nicaea, which is right up on the Black Sea now. I don't, I don't even think a Nicaea exists anymore. Like the town, like the town of Ephesus, which is probably my, one of my favorite councils, 431. The town is like, in the book of Revelation, like... You, rank, you have the ranking of the 21 ecumenical councils? Well, um, I'm an Eastern Catholic, so we, we only have seven, the seven ecumenical councils. <laughs> there's 21. But, you know, between the two churches, there's, you know, debate over how many, uh, between... Um, the Orthodox and the Catholics, a debate of, you know, how many ecumenical We won't get counts. into that today. We're not, we're not getting into that. But the reason for that was that guy, Arius, 325. Do you remember who Arian? Nobody Arius? names their kid Arius anymore. Uh, people name their uh, children. Uh, I have a student named Adolfo, Adolf. Adolfo is a really kind of... In Spanish? Adolfo. Huh. Yeah, but in English we say Adolf, and no one names their ch- children Adolf. But at Alfo, yeah, see, there's a there was a soccer player on Chivas back in the day. Viva that, las Chivas! Viva las Chivas! And his name was the Fighting Goats. <laughs> his name was Adolfo. Nobody names their sports team the Goats either. We should we should bring that bring it bring it, bring back, it back bring it back bring it. Okay, so the Council of Nicaea begins with this problem with the Arian what they called the Arian heresy where they devi- denied the divinity of Jesus. Come on. I know who does that. What is your problem? And and so the reason they get together is because Constantine knows that he's got to keep the one he's got to keep the empire united in one faith or he's going to have schism which is to divide, to rip in two, schismo. If you don't have a united faith, 
then it's going to cause a division. Yeah, you know what? We see that in marriage where you have somebody who is a Christian and somebody who is not. And you, there's a division in the household. You know, mm-hmm. people who are OSU fans and people who are OU fans, they marry and it never seems to work out. Friendships between K-State uh, priests and friendships between priests at Oklahoma State, I mean, it just never works out. So we know that that division occurs. And, and so that's, that's what happened. And Constantine's like, okay, everybody get together. And there was actually, it's, it's the word we have in the creed that we say every Sunday, consubstantial, con with, substantia, the same substance or the same nature. Because the Arians were saying, well, Jesus is kind of like the Father. And what do you mean kind of like the Father? Is he divine or not? Well, we're, we're not really sure if he's divine or not. You're like, he's either divine or not. It, and and, and mm-hmm. the argument is, the end of it is, if he's not divine and he's just human and kind of divine, then Jesus didn't die. He's got to have that human nature and that divine nature woven together. Yep. You know, it's actually the reason why in the Eastern Catholic Church you make the sign of the cross with your thumb, your index finger, and your middle finger together, that the Trinity are one and never separated. They share the same nature, each of the persons of the Trinity. But then you have these two fingers tucked together that Jesus is fully God and fully man. I wish you could see what Father Kerry is doing right now. Just come to Mass. I make the sign of the cross like this all the time. Yeah. It's kind of like your cousin Vito when he's like talking and he's using his fingers in the air and he's like, so I went down to the pizza shop today and they had no pepperoni. These are jerks. And you know, he's got his fingers. It's the same way, except to represent the Trinity and the two persons. Did I just say that loud on the... <laughs> We're like 10 minutes into this. Oh, We're 13 goodness. minutes in. I can't delete that. So... I should use my cousin, Billy. You're okay. You're all right. <laughs> Billy doesn't listen to the show, but maybe he'll listen to this episode. So that's the, the purpose of the Ecumenical Council of Nicaea, 325, was to resolve those issues, to resolve that, that, that argument, and to say then to Arius, you're wrong. And I think we're afraid of doing that in our culture. Ah, don't be judgmental. But what, what did Constantine know? Everyone that, has their own truth. Uh, and truth is truthiness. Truth, truth is truth. Truthiness. Speak, speak your truth. Yeah, I, I'll believe what I want to believe, and you can believe what you want to believe. But wh- what which is kn- true? You have the freedom to do that. But, but when you're just say, but when you're wrong, yeah, especially some, on something of the either divinity, you're wrong, I'm wrong, or we're both wrong. <laughs> exactly. And, you and can't the, be right, and I'm right. And, and so what they wanted to do was to bring the truth out. But what's also beautiful about that is then it sets us on a motion in a new direction, not like, oh, my gosh, we now believe that Jesus is divine. That's rubbish. No, <laughs> Jesus is divine, and we believed it for 300 years that he was divine. And he was fully God and fully man, and he died for our sins and rose. And now that we've gotten together amongst the community in this ecumenical council, even allowing Arius to come and speak. It's not like we kept them at a distance. We allowed them to speak, and then, well, then Santa Claus. You remember Santa Claus? Arius Saint gets Nicholas, a pa- yes. yes. Saint Nicholas sto- punched him in the face. Yeah, that's the story, the legend. Saint Nicholas gets up and punches Arius in the face when he denies the divinity of Jesus. Nicholas of Myra, the Bishop of Myra. So what's so in the so the point of a council? Well, I guess to, let's define what is what is a council. So when we say the Council of Nicaea. In 325. Conciliar to, to come together. Okay. 
So we have the 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 church coming together. The whole church? I mean, if we if there's another council, are you and I invited? No. Negative, right. Go Who's strong. invited? Uh, the bishops. The bishops. The bishops, theologians. Yes. Uh, monks. Yep. There's monks that showed up to these councils. Yep. They don't just let every dude just so walk it's in not the door. A, this is not, the church is not a democracy. Uh, we don't put things up for, for a vote in the sense of like, well, what is everybody feeling now? Are we, yeah, that's right. Are we, should we say consubstantial or, <laughs> or no? Should we... Um, it's not that, but it's the bishops of the world um, uniting with the Holy Father, with the Pope, uh, and and then asking for the guidance of the Holy Spirit to then make some declarations, to to release documents, uh, to to name certain truths to be revealed by God. Um, so there have been, in the course of our history, 21 ecumenical councils. Are you ready? You ready? I don't oh. have these memorized, so I'm reading them. Nicaea, Constantinople, Ephesus, Chalcedon, the Second Council of Constantinople, the Third Council of Constantinople, the Second Council of Nicaea, the Fourth Council of Constantinople, the First Lateran Council, the Second Lateran Council, the Third Lateran Council, the Fourth Lateran Council, the First Council of Lyon, the Second Council of Lyon, which, by the way, these are all where the things happen, the Council of Vienne, the Council of Constance, the Council of uh, Florence, the Fifth Lateran Council, the Council of Trent, Yes. You'll hear that a lot. The first Vatican Council and then the second Vatican Council. Okay. There are your 21 ecumenical councils. You're welcome, Payne County. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, it was the Feast of St. Uh, Jerome a couple weeks ago. Remember that Monday yes. you can celebrate in Mass? I remember. And he, uh, uh, I preached on the um, kind of his love for Scripture, his childlikeness, his, this desire just to take in the Word a lot. You know, one of his other famous quotes of St. Jerome is, I woke up and the whole world was Arian. Like, even after the Council of Nicaea, he just kept hearing the Arian heresy, just keeping this permissiveness There's in nothing it. nothing new under the sun. So the Arian heresy Heresies. was still going on. And I think that's why the church incorporated the, the creed in the liturgy. You asked, uh, we began this with, why do we have the Nicaean creed? At the at the uh, at the liturgy, mm-hmm. right after the right after the homily, is that if the priest preaches heresy, we remember what's true. I'm is that the kidding. reason? No, I'm just kidding. About <laughs> oh my gosh, no, I've why do why do but why do we have it in the liturgy? It's because Arianism can come back rather quickly. We can start to deny the divinity of Jesus, yep. and and people do. And we see that. Yeah, you see. I, yeah. I think today they they um you know not Gnosticism, kind of this this. Yeah, this, I mean, it's an ancient heresy, but they're really there's nothing, nothing new under the sun. These these heresies no. that 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 come about, um, the sort of the idea. Uh, I mean, you see it a lot in in sort of modern sort of social movements that the body is not important, you know. And so you see the, the kind of the ability of people to kind of pick pick their pick their gender, and and, and that's maybe another episode for another day. But um, the, these heresies are not. New. It's it's these old heresies that that sort of reach their way into the church, find a find a foothold, and then and then they grow. Maybe through the preaching of a priest or a bishop, which is which then comes with sort of certain authority, uh, and then the church has to sort of push back and say, "Stop it! You may not. You can't. You can't say that." So the Council of Trent. If you go <laughs> go back and read the documents of the Council of Trent, there's this phrase that the church uses that we don't really use a lot anymore. Um, but it's, you know, if, if a person believes this, 
um, let him be anathema. Let him be anathema, um, and that is that what this this particular teaching or this particular idea that somebody has is is not true, and we say definitively that it is not true. And if you hold that, you are putting yourself outside the church. So the, the count, these councils are very important. They they keep us they keep us on the road. Uh, to a secular analogy, not perfect by any means, you know, is, is we have a we have a governing body, we have a Congress in the United States that they meet from time to time and they and they pass certain laws uh, to help keep us, you know, moving moving forward. Uh, the the church does something very similar from time to time, as needed. The bishops of the world come together, guided by the Holy Spirit, and they make known certain truths. Correct. Guided by the Holy Spirit's important. What would you mention? Like I asked you, what you liked about the creed? What really kind of jumped out yeah. right now? And you said, "I believe in the Holy Spirit, Lord and Giver of life." I- exactly. And why is that in the creed? Because somebody yeah. didn't believe it. Who? Who? Uh, you want to help me? Okay. Who, who was that? Macedonius. Oh, Macedon. I, I hate that guy. I know. Punch him in the face. <laughs> the, the followers of Macedonia, the you know, in a way, like the country Macedonia, Serbia and Macedonia. Is it Serbia and Macedonia? Something like that. Macedonia is a country. Maybe it was taken away in the last hundred years. I don't know, but I remember it being a country. Uh, look it up for me. Make sure I'm make sure I'm not wrong. But anyway, the the followers of Macedonia did denied the divinity of the Holy Spirit. So the the Council of Chalcedon comes together and says, "Hey, okay." This is the reason why the Holy Spirit is not only a person of the Trinity, shares the same nature as, uh, as the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all share that. They're consubstantial of the same substance with each other, that same divine nature. That the Holy Spirit is the one who proceeds from the Father and the Son. So in the creed we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. Correct. And so the, the, cal- the, the Council the of Chalcedon, it's not, and this is where, you know, like books like the Da Vinci Code or some articles like, well, the Council of Chalcedon came together and at the Council they began to believe in the Holy Spirit. And that's rubbish. That's hogwash. No, the council is just saying, this is what we've Rubbish. believed about the Holy Spirit. But then we're, but what's, I think what's beautiful about the councils is we start developing new theology and start saying, okay, well, in the light of somebody disagreeing with us, let's listen to them. Let's hear what they disagree about. And that conversation will then enlighten us to who the Holy Spirit is. It'll bring out more knowledge, more mm. understanding about the one who proceeds from the Father and the Son. What's your favorite part of the creed? Ooh. Uh, it is probably begotten and not made. Ooh. It just keeps... It just, begotten, not made, consubstantial with consubstantial the Father. Consubstantial with the Father. Yeah, begotten. So, so he's he is... Not made, so not a creature. You and I are creatures. Correct, and that's that was the term that they. Oh, he's just a creature. Jesus is just a creature, and he's like, no, he's begotten and not made. 
consubstantial with the Father. We used to say one in being, but that was more not conf- as accurate. <laughs> that was not as accurate, right. and you can't break the word down into con with well, yeah. substantia. A lot of people so. didn't like that change because we use like we were using a word that is is sort of unfamiliar to us. <laughs> it's better than homoousios. Con- consubstantial, <laughs> like it's not a word you know that, that appears in uh, daily conversation. But we do that all the time in the church. Right. You know, we don't. There's lots of terms we use in church that we don't use in daily conversation. I have a. I also have a favorite council, which is Ephesus four thirty one. Mm, tell us. So it it comes together. This is this is what I love about it, is that at the council there's this famous line. Yeah, do you, do you remember the famous line? I uh, wasn't there. Uh, and Pope Benedict quoted it in a 2008 uh, general audience. And it, the line is that came out of that council, because all of these things have been written down. People are like, well, I don't trust history. If you don't trust the history of the ecumenical council of Ephesus in 431, then don't trust the reports of Gettysburg. Like, Well, we, Gettysburg is more, is more, I mean, is closer to our time. It, yeah. No one died over the reports of Gettysburg. Ah, uh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Ephesus, people died because of it. People got in huge arguments because of it. And so there's this line that says, Peter has spoken through the mouth of Leo. That Leo, there's this thing called, and I encourage you to go read it, called the Tome of Leo. It's an easy read. Mm. It's about as short as the prophet Haggai. Tome, T-O-M-E. Yeah, T-O-M-E, the Tome of Leo. And you can go read the Tome of Leo, and Leo gives the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, and this is where we get the understanding that the Pope has universal jurisdiction. That this council is in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And he writes a letter to the council and says, this is what we believe about the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Holy Theotokos, mm-hmm. and ever-Virgin Mary, and how she gave her human nature to Jesus, who is a divine person, so that Jesus is a divine person with a human nature, which is really important to know. And then the proclamation is then said, out of the mouth of Leo, Peter has mm-hmm. spoken. Peter, Peter, the first pope, the leader of the church, the rock. Uh, the, Even though he's been dead for 350 years at uh-huh. this point. That it's sti- the life uh, and the infallibility of Peter is spoken. St. Peter is spoken through the mouth of Leo. Mm. And I, I just love that counsel because, one, it protects the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. It keeps him fully God, fully man, 100%, no mixing, no mingling. And it makes him a sacrifice that he can die upon the cross to save the whole world. And if we don't have that cult, that, that council of Ephesus in 431, and Leo, the Pope, the Bishop of Rome, stating very clearly, this is the summary of what we believe, then where we end up now in the Christian world Ooh, who knows? is cray, cray, cray. bad news. It, it would get cray-cray real quick if we didn't steer, uh, if the councils didn't steer... Uh, church history. Yeah, because how do you address, you know, I mean, that's one of the things councils do, is they address sort of new new controversies. They address, the, the, you know, they trying to, you know, especially the Second Vatican Council, was, it, was the, the goal was to, to help the church address the modern world. Correct. The world had changed tremendously. The Industrial Revolution, right. technology, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to send guys into space. Uh, <laughs> how does that you know what? What is what does the church have to say to the modern world? Mm-hmm. And that's where the, really the beautiful documents of of Vatican II. I, I was having breakfast. About. Yeah, of Vatican II. Uh, I was having a 
a breakfast with uh, in a small town where I was helping. I was coming and celebrating mass in the small town during the summertime. And I asked someone at breakfast how they got like these. It's a small town. Why are there one Catholic church and then two of the same denomination down the street from each other? And then, a, a, you know, like a, a different Christian denomination down the road. And they said, oh, those two people got in an argument over whether you should wear ties to church on Sunday or not. Oh. And I said, ties, like bow ties or like bolos? Bolo? Bolos oh. or regular ties? And they said that it was in the scriptures that you had to wear a tie to church on Come Sunday. On. And so that, that divided them in two. And they, they went to two different churches. Wow. Two different buildings within a couple miles of each other in the same small town. Well, a couple miles, a couple hundred yards. Wow. <laughs> I was like, and why you did, you, call, why did yeah. you call a council? Yeah. yeah. Why did you call a council? And then hash this out and say, okay, where is it in the scriptures? Where is it in the traditions of the church? And where is it amongst the magisterium? And come to an agreement. Come to an agreement. Yeah. Maybe you should be wearing ties. Wow. Maybe we're just not. We're coming in in flip-flops and tank tops and short shorts. Please don't. <laughs> New rectory gear. Well, we uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, little discussion here on uh, on church councils and and where the creed comes from. And you know, there's such a richness in in the history of the church that is largely unknown, you know, by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So maybe this prompts a few people to go out and uh, go out and read some things, Google some yeah. things. And you you good people of California who who emailed me and said we don't know anything about ecumenical councils. You're welcome. You. You can pay for this podcast. We are the Pastors of Pain. Listen in on uh, iTunes and Spotify, Spotify and Google and, uh, and, of course, on Pete 94.3 on Sunday mornings. CatholicCoach.com. And, and on uh, statewide on Catholic, Catholic Radio, Radio around the state of Oklahoma on Wednesday afternoons at 3.30. I'm Father Brian O'Brien. Thank you for listening. Father Kerry Wakulich. We love you. We're grateful for you. Pray for us. Peace and blessings. <laughs>